Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Your Bibles this morning, why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. And um, we, uh, we're having a good time. We've just, um, we've just celebrated 20 years as a church, which was, which was awesome. We survived. <laughs> and um, it was great too. Um, uh, Pastor James gave us the most awesome video that we played um, over there. We got congrats videos from all around. And honestly, yours was the standout, man, out of every one of them. James, he was there with this fake collar. I don't know, you guys probably didn't see it. But he put on this kind of this fake dog collar and started it all kind of very prim and proper, you know, oh yes, well, you know, I've, <laughs> I've heard that somebody, you know, some certain church is celebrating their 20th anniversary and blah, 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 blah. And then he rips the thing off and goes, yeah, you guys are amazing. It was awesome. Our place, the places went to pieces. They loved it. They loved it. It was so good. And I love actually the connection that we have between churches. I mean, this is the way it's supposed to be. It's never supposed to be one church competing against another. It's all of us linking arms and saying every one of us has got a part to play and reaching our community, reaching the city and reaching this nation. Every church has got a part to play and a win for Faith Point is a win for the river. Amen? We believe it. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2 and it says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too also formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, everyone say, but God. Here's, Here's where God comes in. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And if that wasn't enough, He raised us up with Him. And He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the ages to come, it gets better, guys. No matter how awesome you might think God is to this point, it's still the best is yet to come. So that in the ages to come, He may show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. In verse 10, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Someone once said the two greatest days in a person's life is number one, the day where they were born, and number two, the day that they find out why. Amen? And my son has this great phrase. He's 18. He started service leading and preaching a bit at church, and he's awesome. You know, I might be a bit biased, but I think he's pretty good. But he's got this great phrase. He talks about people taking up space and using up oxygen. (laughs) 
And listen, this passage shows us all that God has done for us. He has made us alive together in Christ. Amen. He has raised us up. He has seated us with Him. And He's got plans for the distant future for our lives. He saved us by grace. He has done too much in our lives for us to simply be taking up space and using up oxygen. Amen. He's got a plan. Verse 10 says, We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And I want to submit to you today that you have been made by God, you've been made for God, and you've been made to reveal God. We have been made by God. Everyone say, by God. You've been made for God, and you've been made to reveal God. You've been made by God. Amen. You've been made, and I'll tell you what, you've been made by God well. He made you well. By God, He made you well. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and say, by God, you've been made well. (laughs) I mean, look at that person. Aren't they good looking this morning? They've been made well by God. Let me tell you, I reckon one of the biggest and most damaging lies that has ever been perpetrated to the human race is this idea that somehow billions of years ago that there was some massive explosion that created the universe and all the planets and the stars and somewhere on some random planet out of some primordial soup, an ugly, cold, wet fish sprouted legs and climbed up one day onto the beach and took its first breath. (laughs) And that somehow that's your ancestor. (laughs) Somehow you're related to that thing. I mean, as if it's not much of an insult to say that I'm related to some cold, wet, primordial fish. What it basically says to the human race is, you're an accident. You're not really supposed to be here. Something kind of went wrong. Something blew up and here you are. (laughs) You're a cosmic anomaly. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you are an incredible creation and that you are God's workmanship. Do you understand this morning, scientists estimate that in your body right now, there are around 37 trillion cells that are all doing exactly what they need to to make you alive right now. Isn't that amazing? 37 trillion. Do you have, a, do you have an idea how big a trillion is? If you go back one billion seconds from right now, one billion seconds from now, if you go back, you get to the year 1987. If you go back one trillion seconds from right now, you end up in the year 30,000 BC. That's how big a trillion is. And you got 37 trillion, sorry, yeah, 30 or 70. You got trillions, (laughs) trillions of cells that are working simultaneously in your body in a way that you don't even understand. You're not even in control of it all. Bringing life and producing life. Isn't that incredible? And, you know, it's, it, it stuns me that scientists could think that, you know, we come from some big bang somewhere. We do this little example with our river kids, our kids' church, when we talk about creation. We get them all to sit in a circle, and what we do is we get an um, a, a ice cream 
container. And then we get a, a little Lego car with about eight bits in it and we break it up. And we put it in the ice cream container and we close the lid. And we give it to the first kid and we get them to shake it really hard. And then we open it up and we say, is the car formed? And they say, no. And so anyway, we, we pass it on to the next kid who does the same thing. They give it a good shake and they open it up to see if the car's been formed. And this goes right around. And then at the end of the exercise, after every kid's given a good shake, we ask the kids, how long do you think it's going to take for the car to be formed? Now, these are a bunch of five and six-year-old incredible scientists. <laughs> and they look and they say, it's never going to happen. <laughs> And you know what? I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? If, if, a, if, if a Lego car with seven bits in it, shaken up in a tip-top container, you could do that for billions of years, and I tell you what, you're not going to form the car. How on earth do we think the 37 trillion cells in our body just happen by accident? Come on, you are not an accident. You were created, you were designed by a loving God, and you were put here for a reason. You know, you are no accident this morning. You know, you might look in the mirror and not think much of yourself, but I want to tell you this morning, if you can look in the mirror and think, that is actually a testament to how fearfully and wonderfully you have been made. There's 7 billion people on this planet and no two of them are the same. There's a bunch of other Peter Mortons out there. Did you know that? Probably not. But I get friend requests from them occasionally, you know, and it's kind of weird. You know, somebody with my name wants to be my friend. I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> but, you know, there's a bunch of other Peter Mortons out there. There's one guy who's quite famous. He started the Hard Rock Cafe and he's married to a supermodel and his name is Peter Morton. <laughs> it's true. There's another guy called Peter Morton who's a great, slightly balding uh, real estate agent to walk with. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of them, but none of them are me. None of them are function and see and do things and do life the same way that I do it. Why? Because I'm unique. And guess what? You are unique as well. There will never, ever be another you. No matter how you think about yourself or feel about yourself, you are 100% unique. If anything ever happens to you, there will never be another you on the face of the earth. You are, and I'll tell you what, you are so valuable, not because of what you do, you're valuable because of who you are. Yes. God has put you together in an amazing way. You're valuable because there's only one of you. I read recently in this article about the most valuable comic book, uh, the, the rarest comic book that has ever you know, been commercially made. The rarest comic book commercially made. And when I read about it, I thought, oh, it's got to be like a Marvel or a DC or Peanuts or Garfield or something. Do you know what the rarest commercially made comic book in the world is? There's only one of them made. It's the My Little Pony Friendship Special. <laughs> Must be true, it's on the internet. <laughs> but get this, friends. In a recent charity auction, somebody paid over 6,000 US dollars for the one-of-a-kind My Little Pony Friendship Special. <laughs> and I would like to submit to you today, the reason they paid that much is not because of the great comic book content. <laughs> it's not because they really couldn't wait to find out what happened to My Little Pony in that particular episode. <laughs> that so much money was paid is because it's unique. There's only one in the entire world. 
And I want to tell you that there's only one of you in the entire world. You're so valuable that God looked down through time and He said, I'm going to send my son to die on behalf of you to reconcile you back to me so that you can become everything that you're called to be. You were so valuable that even if you were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus Christ still would have come and He would have died for you. That is how valuable you are. You are His workmanship. Amen. So we have been made by God. Everyone say, I've been made by God. We have been made by God this morning. And not only that, but we have been made for God. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? What does the Bible say? What does it say? We're created for? For good works. Good works. We've been made for good works. My sister Sarah is a very, very talented artist. She's involved in animation and she got her start um, after university, got her start up at uh, Lifeway, working up at Hoo Hoo Studios with Trevi Axley and those guys. And then uh, about four or five years ago, she started working at Weta Studios down in Wellington. And uh, so it's, it's an intense environment down there, but it's pretty cool. I tell you what, when you go along to the movies with her, because she works on, I'm always saying, what are you working on? And there's this pause as she works out whether or not she can tell me. Because <laughs> she's not allowed to say most of the time of the stuff that, un, until it's kind of come out. You know, it's all kind of, you know, high level um, movie secrets and everything. Anyway, so it's cool. You know, we'll go along sometimes to the movies and we'll be sitting there watching a movie that she's worked on and she'll say, oh, you know, my scene's coming up, you know, and I, she did the grass in this scene or she did the lighting in that scene or whatever. And then we stick around to the end, you know, when everybody stands up and walks out. Unless, unless it's a Marvel movie where you have to stay right through to the end. <laughs> I'm learning these things because I've got, you know, teenage kids now, you know, and I, I, I made the mistake. We watched a Marvel movie. I, I was in Marvel movie. I had no idea. And I pressed stop oh. at the end. And you should have, the entire lounge room erupted, you know. I, I thought I killed somebody. I'm like, what the, you know, you got to watch them all the way to the end. But we watch it to the end and we watch as her name rolls up in the credits and it's like, man, that's pretty cool. You know, she's incredibly talented. But uh, recently she was working on a movie called The BFG. Who saw that movie? BFG. And um, anyway, as a result of working on that movie, there were certain scenes that she actually had to submit to the producer directly for him to sign off on. And the producer in that particular situation was a little-known guy by the name of Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Don't know if you've heard of him. So anyway, she's sending her stuff to Steven Spielberg and she's got emails coming directly back from Steven. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> but I'm just like, if there's ever an email that you should frame, that is the one, you know? But I think the rest of us in the family were more excited about it than she was. She was like, oh, so we just part of it. We're like, no, you should stick it over the wall. That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, after viewing her work, Steven Spielberg emails her back and literally his email, because he's one of these kind of high-flying execs, you know how they, they're really to the point? His email consists of one word, good. <laughs> That's it. All this, money, all this time and energy of everything that my sister put into it, she sends it back and this word comes back, good. But my sister was overjoyed. You know why? Because a good from Steven Spielberg is good. How many know Steven Spielberg's definition of good is better than our definition of good? And how many know that God's definition of good is even better than Steven Spielberg's definition of good? 
So at the start of creation where He stood there and looked at this unformed universe and He spoke every part of it into existence. He created the light. He separated the night and the day. He called forth the mountains and the hills and the valleys and the seas and the oceans. And He spoke every creature into existence, everything in the sea, the things that fly, all the beasts that roam the land when He made man. He stood back and He said, It is good. That's God's definition of good, amen? And then God turns around to us and He says, hey, listen, I've made you, you're my workmanship, and guess what? I have created you for what? Good works. When God says He's made you for good works, how many know that His definition of good works is better than our definition of good works? You know, often we think of good works and we think of baking muffins for the church fate. We think of helping old ladies across the street. I'm doing my good work. That's nice. That's excellent. But I think that God's definition for your life of a good work is a bit bigger than that. I think He's got bigger plans. I was reading recently in another article about business startups and why a lot of business startups don't get funding from your kind of huge, uber-rich dudes like your Richard Bransons and stuff. There's a reason why they don't fund a lot of business startups. You know what the number one reason is? That their vision is too small. These guys look and they go, man, I've got billions of dollars, I've got connections all over the globe and you want me to get excited about a coffee shack on Lincoln Road. (laughs) And nothing against a coffee shack on Lincoln Road, but I want to say the fact is that I think that God wants us to start to dream a bit bigger than what we've got. Listen, so often I think about it like this, you know, we've got access to this incredible, unlimited, all-powerful, through time and space, God who can do anything. And we're praying, dear God, please, can I get that car park at Westfield? (laughs) (gasps) He loves me. He really loves me. Bible says, beyond anything that you could even ask or imagine. You see, He gave you the ability to dream because He wants your vision to get a bit higher. And let me tell you something awesome. You don't have to be an amazing person. You just have to walk with an amazing God. You don't have to be just, you know, the most talented. You can be the weakest, scariest, little Gideon in the entire world. But I tell you what, if you're prepared to walk hand in hand with the God of the universe, you will see things happen that are so much further, so far beyond anything that you could ask or imagine. And that's what he's thinking about when he's talking about good works. He said, I made you and I appointed you for good works. God's got things that he's dreaming about. We're praying for car parks and he's dreaming about a community being impacted, about a city being changed, about nations. You know, we're praying, oh dear God, please let there still be hot bread at the shop after this guy's finished preaching. (laughs) Come on, I've been the church pastor for 12 years. I know how this stuff rolls. (laughs) If he finishes soon, I might still have time to get there. So right, you got cupcakes this morning. You got you got a whole bunch of other cool stuff. 
But you know, we're dreaming and we're praying about these things. And listen, I'm not knocking stuff. I know God cares about every little detail. That's true. You can ask Him about the smallest things, but I want to tell you today, you can ask Him for stuff that's huge. God is looking for people who will simply believe Him. He's, he's looking for stuff. He can roll up his sleeves and say, you know what? Yeah, I can do this. Because you can't do it, but that's all right. Because this gets me the opportunity to show how powerful and glorious I am. You see, when we do stuff that's within our realm of capability, we get the glory. <laughs> but when people as silly and stupid as us, <laughs> with no hope as much as we have, <laughs> stand up and we go, okay, no idea how this is going to happen, but God, I think people look at it and go, wow, that had to be God. <laughs> You're telling me that person did it? That had to be God. <laughs> We walk with Him. You've been made by God and you've been made for for God. Amen. 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 And not only that, you are His workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which He prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Let that sink in. Which He prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Are you getting this this morning? God, God forms you in a particular way. He sets you up to shine in a particular work. And then he, he, if that's not enough, he then sets up everything going all the way back so that you have got every opportunity to be able to shine and to walk in that thing that he's made you for. He prepared beforehand. I'm a father. I've got three awesome kids. They're 18, 16, and 13. And I remember when they were really little, little toddlers, you know, two and three. And when they were little, sometimes I would make up a, one of those kind of block stacks. Any other dads or mums ever do that? Make up one of those block stacks, you know. And uh, so I'd make it up, and they'd be there, you know, kind of only got the nappy on, nothing else, you know, just the nappy on, probably a little package in the back there too. You know, you know two years old, whatever, you know, a little bit of drool coming down the, ah, you, you can imagine it, right? And so I'd, I'd, I'd make this stack really high and I'd be like, wow, what a big stack. Who could be strong enough to push down the stack? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and so I'd have a go I'm like, oh, it's too heavy for me. Gee, I wonder who could do it. Like, ah. <laughs> like, ah. They push it over, and I'd be like, oh my goodness, look at you! Aren't you amazing? Like, ah. <laughs> and I'd be dancing around the place, feeling so awesome because I pushed over the stack, and Dad's like, yeah, you're amazing. You pushed over the stack. How many know they just had to show up? <laughs> All that was required in that situation was for the little one to just show up and just do. Why? Because I had already prepared beforehand everything that they needed to shine. Are you tracking with me this morning? Can you see where this is going? You see, one of the biggest questions that people have when they're sitting on and looking at church and they're looking at God Looking at Christianity, one of the biggest questions that they have is, why is all this bad stuff happening in the world if God is so powerful and if God is so good? Anyone ever heard that question? I'm sure you have. Maybe you've thought that question. It's a very common question. 
If God is so powerful and God is so amazing and good, how come all this bad stuff happens? And you know what? There's actually some very simple answers to this question. First one is this. The world that we live in at the moment is not actually the world that God designed. Like, it's still got the glory of it, but it is nowhere near the, the, uh, the world that God created. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1 that God created a perfect world, amen? There was no sickness, there was no death, there was nothing wrong with it, everything was perfect, and he put Adam and Eve in charge of that. So they were set up, he had prepared beforehand for them to walk in glory, amen? Yes. That's what he's like, that's, that's what he does. But instead of walking in the promises that they had been given, they instead sinned against God. They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, chaos, death and sin was unleashed, not just into them. We often talk about that, but into all of creation as well. So that the world that we live in today, even in a country that is as beautiful as New Zealand, this still is only just a shadow of actually what God originally created. So we're living in a world that is less than, and it is a world that now is full of pain and full of brokenness. And you know what? Humanity needs to stop blaming God for all of that. And we need to realise actually the reason it's like that is because of us. It's not His fault. He gave us a perfect world. We're the ones who screwed it up. And you know, it would be quite justifiable for God just to wipe His hands of the whole thing and say, well, you screwed it up, you deal with it. He could have done that. He could have just left us with the remnants, but He didn't. He looked and he said, these guys are never going to do this by themselves. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to come as one of them. I'm going to live, I'm going to teach, and I'm going to die on a cross. And when I do that, the power of that death on that cross is going to unleash the power for this broken world to be made whole again. Awesome. Awesome. And then he looks down through history and he sees the brokenness and he sees the pain. And he comes up with a plan. Do you know what the plan is? The plan's you. And the plan is me. You see, he beforehand, he looks all the way down through history, right to today. And he sees pain. He sees brokenness that's going on in society. He sees it in families. He sees it in workplaces. He sees it in the lives of people around you. And so then what he does is he says, you know what, I'm going to formulate an answer. And he takes a person, he begins to form them. And he puts in them gifts and skills and abilities and talents. And you know what? You're not, God didn't just hit randomize on you. It's not kind of like, here's the general plan. I'll just keep hitting the random button and another one keeps popping out. Every single one of you has been made and handcrafted by God with a particular plan. Because he looked down, he said, in the future, I'm going to need one of them. I'm going to need one of you to fill that gap. And so then he plans, he puts you together way back to be alive today, right here, right now, so that you can shine his glory in this world, in this place. And not only that, but he looks down, he says, they're going to need a bit of help. So then he goes through and he orchestrates all of history leading up to this moment where you are alive right now. Let me tell you something. Do not disregard your life. Do not disregard the power of who you are in this world at this moment and at this time. Because God has been planning this for so long. He's looked and He's seen the pain and the hurt that's going on in our world. And guess what? He's raised up a you. 
And through you, all you have to do, he set everything up. And all you have to do now is just show up and reveal him. That's all that's left. And I can sometimes imagine God, you know. He's like, right, I've created this person. I've filled them with such good stuff. I've set everything up for them. And he sends us in there. And it's the moment to shine. And we're like, oh, I don't know if God really loves me. <laughs> and God's like, come on, this is it. I've been waiting all eternity for this moment. All you've got to do is just encourage that person. All you got to do is just reach out and say, hey, can I pray for you? All you got to do is just walk into your workplace and say, hey, I've been thinking maybe we could do some things differently. That's all that you got to do. I've put everything on the inside of you for this moment. All you have to do is just show up. And how many people know there's a difference between turning up and showing up? <laughs> many of us turn up at work. We turn up at our families. But it's time for the church to start to show up. It's time for Christians to start to show up. You know that wonderful verse in Isaiah 60 where it says, arise, shine. You know that word arise? It doesn't really mean to stand up. It literally means to come out of the shadows and show yourself. To actually walk onto the stage. And that's what God is calling us to do now. You are His workmanship. You've been created for good works in Christ, which He has prepared beforehand for you to walk in. You have been made by God. You have been made for God. And you have been made to reveal God. Amen. I was just at uh, Manifest Presence the other week. Anyone else go to that? few? It was awesome. With uh, Bill Johnson and Sean Boltz. And sitting there in a room, with, particularly with Sean, that was... Mind-blowing. The, the gift that that guy is operating in in terms of being, you know, word of knowledge and being able to call people out, it's astounding. And there were questions that were posed to him and to Bill Johnson. It's like, how do you walk in that kind of power? How do you see that? And you know what? There was a really simple answer that he gave. He simply said this, we just don't turn off. You just don't turn off. You see, what happens for a lot of us is we come along to church and we, we turn on. And for that two hours that we're at church, man, the, the, it's on. Whoa, God, I can believe you for great things. Yeah, nothing's impossible. Hallelujah. I'll pray for anything that moves. Glory to God. Right. And then we walk out the door and we turn off. We turn up, but we don't show up. And the Bible says that all of creation is groaning, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. The world around us, and it's almost like God is saying, I'm holding it open as long as I can. <laughs> Come on, stand up. What would it be like in your workplace tomorrow if you didn't just turn up, but you showed up? What would it be like in your family, in your school? What could it be like here at this church if next Sunday you didn't just turn up, but you showed up? <laughs> Amen. There's so much more that God has for us. And I want to encourage you, man. I just have a sense that God is, in a lot of ways, here as a church, He's priming you. You know, you are, you're being put in position right now for some great works, some good works, amen? And yes, they are big. And yes, they're beyond what you can do. But God is looking for a group of people who say, okay, that's huge, that's big. But through you, Jesus, we can do all things. Lord, I'm simply going to believe you. I'm simply going to follow you. And we're going to do this thing together. You've been made by God. You've been made for God. And you've been made to reveal God. Amen. Why don't we just stand this morning as we finish up?
Father, I just thank you, Lord. Yeah, why don't you just thank God right where you are? Just thank Him for your life. Wow, do you see how amazing you are this morning? Do you see how critical you are to God's plan? You're no accident. You're not here by accident this morning. But God has got you. He's made you for purpose. He's set you apart. He's setting entire world up around you for you to succeed. Do you see that this morning? Sometimes we look and we say, it feels like God's so far away. I want to tell you, God is constantly at work on your life. Constantly. God is working on three billion things and you might be aware of two of them. You might be aware of none of them today. Maybe you're looking and just going, it all just feels difficult. It all just feels hard. But I want to tell you the God of heaven is for you today. And if God is for you, who can be against you?